My notes are like 800 words this week because not a fu- not a whole fucking lot happened this episode. <laughs> like my the notes for my episode are a little longer because there keeps being stuff that I'm like, some of this I will skip, but some of it I have to talk about it. I have to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of decided to follow suit in your footsteps because like. Obviously, in the past, I've kind of gone into excruciating detail, but I've kind of decided to follow suit in that, wow, I sure can't just skip most of this cone shit. Like, I, I sure don't have to talk about this. Um, but it's like, you know, we're we're getting through it. We're getting through it. Um, Sam, I need you to know, I know you have, you have strongly encouraged me to not read the Ultimate Universe of Marvel, <laughs> but I need you to know I'm back on my bullshit and reading the Ultimate Universe of Marvel. <laughs> Why would you do this to yourself? Well, okay, the thing is, I grew up with Ultimate Spider-Man, and I still think Ultimate Spider-Man had some redeeming qualities, but as I'm like much older now than I was when I first started reading Ultimate Spider-Man, I'm realizing that Brian Michael Bendis just doesn't know how to write women like at all. Amongst other things, yes. <laughs> yeah, amongst other things. Um There are like some good bits. I I, I in particular enjoyed the uh, arc where Moon Knight shows up. But, like, it had problems. Uh, I... I fucking hate the Ultimate, Sam. I I don't know what to say. It's just the Avengers, but edgy. I mean, that's just the tagline of the Ultimate Universe. <laughs> it's just this, but edgy. That's, liter- that's literally, like, the thing where they're like, we're, go- we're doing stuff in this universe that we wouldn't normally be allowed to do in the other universe, so we're doing all of our edgy shit in this universe. That's why the blob is a cannibal. The blob? Right, right. Yes, I remember now. I remember now. I I will say, I did kind of enjoy the Galactus saga, like, at least the ending of it. I, I thought that was fun, for the most part, even if I fucking hate this universe's cap. But this is not a Marvel podcast. This is It'll Wash Out, a Bleach Rewatch podcast. I'm your co-host, Cinna. And I'm your co-host, Sam. And this, well, tomorrow, technically, Wednesday, not not tomorrow for us, but tomorrow, Wednesday, is technically our one-year anniversary of this podcast. Yay. Woo! The crowd goes wild. We, uh, 
I know we kind of missed like a whole two months there, but I still feel like this is an important milestone. And like, while I don't really have much special planned, I did just want to be upfront and thank everyone for like listening and sticking with us. And I wanted to thank you, Sam, for like following me through this crazy fucking ride that is this bleach podcast that I joked about in a Discord server. We're still here somehow. Somehow, uh, on this, the gendery episodes, god, um, I do want to go ahead and be upfront that, like, we, we kind of had a discussion prior to recording that the second episode this week, while we don't really think it's intentional, it could be, it's kind of hard to say because we, we aren't the writers, uh, the second episode has some content that could definitely be described as, like, a sexual assault allegory, um, and we we really want to be upfront about that because we want our listeners to stay safe, and we want to make sure our content is, you know, accessible and consumable by the people who want to listen to it without, like, being triggering. Uh, we will go ahead and, like, recap what happens, but, I mean... Honestly, we could just be upfront. Should we just, like, say the title of the episode so you kind of have an idea of what happens? I mean, I don't think that's the... So, the the problem is, there is there is a scene in the back half of the second episode where the antagonist takes... Essentially takes control of, the, of one of the female lead's bodies and ends up killing her in the act of creating new, uh, new life, as he calls it. So, you know... If, like, we're gonna, like, go through what's happening, like, in on screen, and we're not gonna delve, like, too much into it, but if that's, like, if you don't want to hear more about that, then, you know, it's fine to skip this episode. We'll give, like, a quick recap next week of, like, the important plot beats that happened uh, while we just, and then today we're just gonna, like, discuss this episode. Yeah, and I think, like, just for safety's sake, we'll probably, like, before we get to that point in the episode, we'll probably just, like, give a quick heads up that, hey, this is where this happens. If you don't want to hear about this, just, like, go ahead, cut it off, just come in next week. We'll be here. Um, I guess we should probably just get into this first episode, if that sounds good to you, Sam. Yeah, let's just get right to it. Alright, we got episode 78, Shocking Revelations for the Gote 13, The Truth Buried in History. After being saved by Yoruichi, Uryu and Yoshino are fast asleep at Urahara shop, where Jinta, Ururu, and Tessai prepare some hot water for the injured. Jinta shoves Kone in the water before Tessai yells at them to be quiet while their guests are sleeping. Uh, I thought this bit was okay. It was a good starting bit. Like, eh, not much going to there. This is probably the best bit that Jinta has had, like, the best character that Jinta has had so far. Insofar as, like, he shows up with with a giant tub of hot water. Everyone's like, we don't need, one, if we needed hot water, we wouldn't need this much. And two, like, we don't need water, we're using magic. But, you know, he's a kid, he doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, and he's heard that hot water helps with medical procedures. So he shows up with a tub of hot water. You know, he's trying to help. Um, yeah. And then, you know, he gets to he gets into a spat with Khan and the joke gets really tiresome really fast. I, I will say, like, I do like the bit of Tessai, like, yelling to be quiet, but, like, 
we kind of already did this joke like a few weeks ago when like Ichigo and Rukia were like arguing over Uryu, and I just want this boy to get some sleep. In another room, Ichigo and Gang sit around a table, Ichigo remaining silent. Urahara comments on this atmosphere, and then Renji's like, yeah, it's fucking bleak. The atmosphere is stagnant and bleak. Uh, Urahara's like, Ichigo, you should be more cheerful. Uh, and then Rukia's like, Yoruichi, please save us from this atmosphere. Is there any progress from Soul Reaper R&D? She's like, the vibes are rancid. Please tell us, tell us your tales. <laughs> We end up cutting to, like, several captains standing in, uh, Soul Reaper research and development, while Mayuri explains that, like, hey, it's fucking weird that I, the captain who has to deal with this, doesn't have access- I don't have access to all of the data here. But now I do, because I finally broke the lock on the data that I wasn't able to access. We're not gonna go into how that happened or what was going on there, but I broke it. And then he has, like, Nemu pull up some info on the bounce- and we learn that the Bounce and Quincy's actually used to be mortal enemies. We see the Bounce are targeting a specific Quincy before the video feed cuts out, and apparently that's all the real info we have on this battle. Uh, I do want to state there are, like, fucking werewolves in this video footage. <laughs> yeah, Mayuri's like, oh yeah, by the way, we like, while I was looking at the shit that was locked away after I counter-hacked it, I found this video that, like, our reconnaissance team took from, like, 500 or 600 years ago or something and it's just like a bunch of quincy's fighting werewolves and other dolls and dragons <laughs> it's like hmm they're like straight up Yu-Gi-Oh ass dragons in this video <laughs> he states that it's like all the info we really have on the bat um, battle but that the bounce have continued to feed off living souls and it seems that they end up breaking their law of only feeding on the dead when they end up coming together as a whole and need a specific Quincy. Uh, Mayuri states that this means the Bounce will definitely, definitely start openly attacking humans very recklessly. Rukia immediately makes the connection to Karya's interest in Uryu, and claims he's trying to open a hole to Hueco Mundo. But the gang can't really figure out why a Quincy is needed, nor the purpose of getting to Hueco Mundo. Ichigo reminisces on his fight against Karya, openly stating that he doesn't think he could beat Karya in his current state. And then Ganju shows up, bursting through the wall on a boar. And then we get, like, a shot back at the convenience store, as Hinatoro's just like, Hi, wonder where Ganju is? And then his manager, his kind-eyed manager, comes out and is like, Hey, where's Ganju? Is he in the bathroom again? He's probably definitely in the bathroom. And Hinatoro's like, why do you think it's the bathroom? He could be somewhere else. And the manager's like, no, it's definitely the bathroom. Yeah, like, at first I was like, oh, Hanataro's going, going to, like, cover for Ganju's uh, shift, and haha. But then it's like, no, the manager's just like, yup, absolutely 100%, there's no chance that he's anywhere else but the bathroom. And you're just like, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> The the way this joke lands, like, it, it continues through the episode, and we'll get there. But God. <laughs> Ganju states that he sensed a gloomy spiritual pressure, and it turns out it's Ichigo, and everyone kind of equates the, like, spiritual pressure to, like, a bad smell. Urahara even, like, asked to, like, open the windows, stating it reeks. Ganju claims he needs to freshen Ichigo up, 
before Urahara opens the way to the underground training area, and Ganju and Renji grab Ichigo and just, like, kind of throw him down there, and then we cut to Kario's trashed mansion, where he uncovers a grandfather clock. Maki asks if they can still use it, and Kario's like, yeah, like, maybe, if we fix it. The Have you ever had vibes so rancid that someone ran across town just to, like, <laughs> knock some sense into you and be like, bitch, you have depression. <laughs> <laughs> Like, the way this happened just, like, caught me so off guard. I do really like the interaction here between Ganju and Rukia, where Ganju's just like, oh, wait, you haven't even met Bonnie. This isn't her. This is just some boar I stole from the zoo. But, like, you should meet Bonnie sometime. And Rukia's like, what are you doing here? I love that Ganju has, like, moved on from you are the killer, you are, like, the slayer of my brother to, you know what, fine, you came to apologize, you're a great person, we've had some fights together, family friend, come come meet on Sundays whenever you'd like, I'll introduce you to Bonnie. <laughs> I, I fucking love Ganju so much. We cut to Uryu and Yoshino as they lie awake while Yoshino apologizes for getting Uryu involved in all of this. He tells her that there's nothing she could have done, since he's a Quincy after all. Yoshino remembers that Karya apologized to her much in the same way she just apologized to Uryu, but he tells her that's not what Karya truly felt, and she agrees with him, saying it shocked her since nobody seems to know what Karya's truly like. She has no idea what he plans to do in Hueco Mundo, but that it's not worth attacking living humans, and then she like sits up and is like, wait, I've also attacked living humans. I'm despicable. And, like, it's, like, a genuine, like, kind of heartfelt moment where she's like, I have broken this law of my people, and, like, I feel horrible about it. And then she goes, like, into the Bounce past, and we learn that the population is of- the population of the Bounce has always kind of been determined, because every single Bount was born during a short period of time when a genetic mutation occurred. Ever since that point, no new bounce have been born, and bounce cannot create new life. So what's basically happened is there are a race of people that like were born during a short period of time, and they've just kind of slowly died since then. And that that's kind of really sad, honestly. Yeah, it's like okay, yeah, I guess that that puts into contrast like all of their imagery about like time passing us by as as like we wither away, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, I do want to say, like, I kind of love the bit where she's like, you know, Katia said something nice to me once. He was probably lying. Yeah, he probably was. Piece <laughs> of shit. <laughs> I fucking adore it. Like, they, they're really just cutting into Karia here, and I, I'm here for it. We cut to the training room while Ganju and Renji kind of push Ichigo to spar. Or rather, I guess I should say... Ganju kind of pushes Renji and Ichigo to spar, because Ganju's like, hey, so I know, like, I came down here to, like, help you train, but actually, Renji, you're as much of a coward as Ichigo if you don't spar with him right now. Anyway, have fun! (laughs) Ganju's like, I can't fucking fight Ichigo, what do you want me to do? I'm just gonna sit here and throw firebombs at you from afar. 
<laughs> so, like, Renji starts, like, attacking Ichigo, who's, like, just kind of blocking and not fighting back. And Gondu just keeps shit-talking from, like, afar and occasionally throwing out, like, sand bombs. And then he, like... He, at one point, like, does, like, do a bigger sand attack that also hits him because it's Ganju, And then he, like, gets a call on his soul pager or whatever from Hinatoro, who's like, Hey, uh, Ganju, uh, there, there are a lot of customers here and we really need help. And, uh, it, it would be great if you could come back to the store. Uh, the manager still thinks you're in the bathroom. And then Ganju's like, oh, yes, I'll, I'll come help. Uh, well, gotta go, guys. <laughs> and then he just leaves. Yeah, he's just like, like, Renji's just like, you cause all this trouble and then you fuck off. And he's like, yeah, but my co-worker needs me. I have to go to my husband. <laughs> and meanwhile, Hanatara was like, I don't understand why, but we have a 3 a.m. rush and I really need help with this 3 a.m. rush. <laughs> it's so the store is funny. packed. It's absolutely fucking packed. There's, like, a huge fucking line. Even, like, behind the counter, Hanatra is just, like, surrounded by people. Um, and then, like, the manager shows up and it's like, oh, there's a lot of people. You, you're you going to need help. I'm gonna go check on Ganju in the in the bathroom. And Hanatra's like, can, can you help me at the cash? And it's like, no, I need to go look at Ganju in the bathroom. <laughs> and then he leaves. <laughs> the manager just leaves and... I, I guess we're just finishing this bit here because, like, I, the visceral laugh that escaped me <laughs> because the manager just kind of walks up to the bathroom door and he goes, hey, got you. Are you okay in there? And you just hear this huge crash and, like, the screen shakes and Gaju just casually walks out of the bathroom and is like, sorry, I took so long. <laughs> And then the manager's like, see, I told you he was in the bathroom. <laughs> he's like, I do it. And I'm like, the joke here is that he's definitely got a crush on Ganju, right? Like, that's that's the angle, I think. <laughs> I I guess. It, it's just like, God. Hanataro, you gotta protect your man. Your God. manager's out to get him. We love this convenience store love triangle. Uh, <laughs> fucking Renji continues to fight against Ichigo and just like keeps calling him a coward and then we cut to Uryu and, y Uryu and Yoshino again uh, while Uryu asks if Yoshino feels pride is a bount stating that he's proud of being a Quincy and even if he's the last one left he will always take pride in fulfilling his duty Yoshino's his duty like, that is a heavenly mandate from God himself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how he <laughs> describes it. He's like, yeah, you know, much, you know, like the, the bounds have powers, but the Quincy, we have powers and also a heavenly mandate from God to protect humans from hollows. And I'm like, wait, Udi, hold back up a second. When did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> I guess you are you are wearing crosses on everything. <laughs> Watch out, Bleach fans. In this arc, Uryu becomes Christian. God. Fucking Yoshino's like, I like the sound of that. Pride. The spark match continues with Renji pressing Ichigo for obsessing over whether he can win or lose. 
stating that he never thought about that when charging into Soul Society to save Rukia. Finally, Ichigo finally fights back, and then he, like, walks through a cloud of dust up to Renji, who's very clearly scared. Like, he, like, walks right up to him and stares him directly in the eyes, and is like, who are you calling a coward? And Renji's like, oh, I was just, I was just giving you a push, you know, a friendly push to, you know, get you started. He no-sells an attack, and there's, like, lightning bolts in the, there's, like, static in the air, and his hair is, like, a, like, flying a little from the power he's exuding, and he just, like, walks forward, and just like, are you, are you going to murder this man? <laughs> <laughs> and then Ichigo's just like, you're right. Thanks for the push. And then Reggie's like, yeah, no problem. And then, like, basically, like, walks away. Like, Ichigo walks away as he leaves Renji behind. And then Yoshino gets up while Uryu's sleeping. And she, like, removes her bandages. And she's like, you know, there might actually be a little pride left in me. And she, like, thanks Uryu and kisses his forehead. Uh, and then just leaves. And... What gets me here is that Yoruichi and Urahara watch her leave and are like, so she's going to die, right? Yeah, but she's like settling the score, so it's fine. Like, she can die as long as it's on her own terms, right? Yeah, that seems fine. And then Yoruichi's like, anyway, I'm going back to Soul Society. I've got more information to learn. And she just like fucking disappears. And then Uryu wakes up and is like, oh my god, where is she? And the episode ends. Like, I don't think there's ever been, like, a clearer example of, like, the cruel pragmatism of these two characters, where they're just like, she is absolutely one. there is no chance she's coming back alive. And it's like, yeah, she's gonna, like, go out in a blaze of glory, I guess. But, you know, this is it. She's not, she's not living to, to see another, like, moonrise. <laughs> and they're just like, yeah. You're Good going. Like- Girl power. Let's go. <laughs> You know what I mean? She's like, so she's gonna die, right? And Urahara's like, yeah, but at least it'll look kind of cool next episode. And then the episode ends, and that's that. That it is. Uh, what was the after credits bit this time? So the RadioCon golden scene is we have everyone gathered around Urahara's table again, and Reggie's like, okay, so you fought Karia, so what are his powers? And it's like, well, he kind of didn't use any. But more importantly, where the fuck were you? We called you. And Rich is like, what? You didn't call me. My pager never got... Oh, would you look at that? My batteries are dead. (laughs) I am so fucking glad we got an answer to this. Uh, I don't know how many of you listened to After the Credits, but we put a little uh, little fun thing there where uh, we realized after hitting end on recording the other week that we didn't have an any fucking clue where Renji was during these episodes. So Sam's just like, where the fuck is Renji? And when I saw this bit, I was like, oh my god, they're really just explaining this away with his batteries being dead. And I think that's the funniest possible way they could have ended that. I am, like, I, at this point, I have no idea if this was a planned bit all along or if it was literally, like, we forgot to draw in Renji running around with Orihime and Chad when they were busy outside doing nothing during this arc. Uh, during this, like, three-episode arc of invading the mansion for the first time. 
Um, we just completely forgot to put Renji in next to them because he wasn't doing anything important. How do we explain this? <laughs> it's like, I, I don't know, his battery died. Maybe he's doing chores at Urahara's place or something. Maybe he got hit by a truck. Uh, I... One. God, I... I, I don't know which is funnier. It being completely intentional or it, like, literally being a last-ditch effort for them to, like, explain this away. I, I actually do think the, the latter is funnier because I... God! <laughs> you want to go ahead and cut to a five-minute break, Sam? Yeah, let's go to a break. Get right back into it with episode 79, Yoshino's Decision of Death. This is the because one where subtlety, she dies. <laughs> because subtlety is for cowards. <laughs> Who needs subtlety? Like, this is the equivalent of Marvel being like, hey, this arc, it's called The Death of Spider-Man. Give you one guess what it's about. Orihime and Rukia wonder how long Renji and Ichigo are going to be training, with Rukia complaining that the idiot got depressed after a single loss. Lillen, who'd been adorably sleeping under a teeny tiny blanket, wonders what kind of idiot feels better by fighting? And all three of them are like, I wonder what's up with Yoshino. Can't wait till she wakes up. We have a bunch of questions to ask her. <laughs> it would sure be a shame if she got up and left in the middle of the night and died off, well, like, at a, in a place that not, none of us are ever going to see her. It really is just, like, the least fucking subtle thing you could do. It's like, as if you didn't understand from the title of the episode, they're just like, hey, Yoshino's gonna die this episode. Ichigo and Renji arrive upstairs after exercising all night long, just in time for breakfast. Urahara is, like, in the back making repairs to the Matsulski guys, because, you know, they got damaged by Maki. And that's why we get treated to, once again, Mini Nova. The best design in the show, just serving everyone coffee. <laughs> like, just grabbing coffee cups that are two times as wide as his waist <laughs> and carrying them around the table to so that people can have coffee. I fucking love this gentleman. I, I love this little boy. Renji is, well, you know, it's his first encounter with coffee, so of course he spits it out as soon as he gets it. Uh, there's a little bit where, like, he starts... where. Nova starts adding sugar, and he's like, what, you add sugar to the drink? What? But he's just like, more, more, more. More sugar. More. <laughs> Until the girls join them, and R- Renji's like, giving Ichigo a hard time. Or, Ichigo's giving Renji a hard time over, like, the coffee thing, and is like, ah, oh, yeah, I made French toast, and I melted bean paste jam, and spread it on it, and I'm like, god, that sounds good. <laughs> it really does. But the most important part of this whole scene is Renji seeing Rukia and being like, have you ever drank this coffee thing? And she's just like, hmm, yes, I have already cleared that drink. (laughs) I I think, like, I really love the idea that, like, Soul Reapers compete for, like, human points where they're just like, ah, yes, see... I've already successfully humaned there. I like coffee. (laughs) And Reggie's just like, what do you mean you like coffee? This stuff's disgusting. Yeah, it's it's great. Like, I'm 
I love that Rukia gets to have some interaction with Ichigo and Renji again. Just, I love Rukia. She's a great, she's a great character when she gets to be a character. Let's just wait until she like fully conquers the juice box and then we can talk. (laughs) While all this is happening, Nova and Claude are like on the side and they're just like, hey Nova, what's got you worried? Oh yeah, no, obviously Yoshino left. And like, Claude has, like, actual words of wisdom where it's like, listen, we're all responsible adults here. We're all, like, in charge of our own action. We're all responsible for our own actions. She left this morning, but, like, you know, we wouldn't we wouldn't be able to stop her or anything. Like, she's doing what she wants to do. And, uh, you know, right now these guys are all relaxing and I don't want to stress them out or, like, bring down the mood. Worrying about it's not going to fix anything anyway. It's fine. Over at the mansion, Katia is, like, just fidgeting like he's fixing the grandfather clock that he was looking at the previous episode putting in some new gears turning some screws and boom making it work again and there's like this big exchange between him and koga about how fixing clocks makes time go forward but bounce are like perfect clocks that can never work and but their whole plan is that they're gonna force time to move for the bounce it's like all right i get it you like the you like the clock metaphor but we still have absolutely no idea what their plan is. It's like... It's clear that they're trying to draw some importance to their clock, but it doesn't fucking make any sense because they're just speaking in metaphors. That's all they're speaking in. That Bounce love their metaphors. We don't know what this means. We don't know what it does. We don't know if there's actually significance to this clock. They're just speaking in metaphors. Because yeah, at this point, they're mostly being like, look, we've said the whole, like, immortality and the passage of time thing, like, too often. So now we need to pass on to a new way of talking about it. So we're just going to talk about clocks and fixing them. <laughs> Back at the shop, Ishida now tries to sneak out, but he's caught by Lilin. Except he just, like, immediately grabs... Because she's still in her little bird body, so he just, like, immediately grabs her. And he's like, where's Yoshino? And he, like, he starts running down the street and he's like, start tracking Yoshino. She's like, what? Why? Let me go. Batman voice, where is she? God. Fuck. It really is what he's doing. And like, inside the store, like Cloud and Nova, like they notice Ishida and Lilin like leave. Because they, or at least they notice two like, energy signatures leave and they're like starting to tell this and the Yoshino thing to the group but they're taking like the most roundabout way and people keep interrupting them and like Urahara like walks in and he's like oh I want to be part of this conversation so it's like they keep restarting and just like (laughs) guys just say it just say a thing (laughs) I I really wanted like Tessai just being like Yoshino's gone I, like, really wanted somebody to get angry and just, like, end the fucking conversation. Speaking of Yoshino, she shows up at the mansion as well to confront Katia. And, like, meanwhile, Ishida's, like, running around town, like, just in the back streets. Like, he's holding Lilin out, like, some sort of dowsing device. <laughs> and he's like, huh, is that this road? This road? Where could she gone? And Lilin, like, is just super confused that she's getting... She's basically got seasickness because she get she's getting like shaken around, and then it just cuts immediately back to Yoshino and Katia, who are like, "Katia, are you really gonna do this, this thing?" 
And Katya is like, yeah. Are you going to stop me or join me? She's like, no, I can't let you do this. And then they start fighting. <laughs> it, what, what really gets me here, like, with everything, is that, like, we already know Yoshino, like, knows part of the plan is to go to Hueco Mundo, but she has no idea what the actual plan is beyond that. She's just decided that, like, it's not worth the cost, which, like, it makes sense that it's not worth the cost, but it's also, like, despite the fact that Karya looks like the most evil Dracula motherfucker, we, we don't know that his actual plan is, like, inherently evil, I guess? So it's, like, I guess you should fight him. Like, he did definitely betray you before, but, like, God, like, I feel like we should have more information before you just jump in here to die. Yeah. Basically, at the store, like, the group finally sets out, and they're like, okay, now we have the info, finally, and Urahara's like, okay, listen, Renji hasn't had a lot of screen time, and if everybody shows up at once, he's going to get nothing. So, you and Renji can flash step and get to whatever location the fight is happening like faster than everyone else and the rest of us are gonna catch up it's fine also you shouldn't fight if you can like just grab Ishida and like get out like that should be your plan listen it's fine Yoshino is a filler character it's fine if she dies don't worry about her but Uryu we need him for next arc please please save Uryu yeah and then back in Bount Town Katia's, like, doing a bunch of dodging, just... He's not attacking, he's just, like, dodging all the fireballs, but he's dodging in a way that eventually makes the fireballs, like, crumble a piece of wall and it hurts Yoshino, and she's like, Keep fighting, no matter what happens to me! And Karia's like, You know, normally, when you're this hurt and unfocused, your doll would, like, destroy you. But your doll doesn't... Like, your doll doesn't act like it's your servant, it actually loves you, and that's kind of fucked up. Did you ever notice that? Did you ever notice that, Yoshino? It's because you're the only one of us, of all the bound, you're the only one of us with a maternal power. Also, Ishida, I know you're hiding behind the wall. Just come out, let's have a chat. <laughs> I... When he started just, like, babbling on about maternal power... I, I, like, was audibly fucking groaning. I was kind of just, like, rolling my eyes and just kind of, like, bearing with the episode and hoping it would go somewhere, like, interesting with this. I was really not into it. Yeah, at this point, he, like... Like, you know, sometimes in anime, they'll, like, do the, uh, I'm now holding... I'm weakly holding your arm behind your back. You are completely trapped and useless now. Um... Uh, Mostly to female characters. Uh, Katia does this, but it's, like, a step above. Because what he's doing is he's holding on to, like, her ring. <laughs> yeah. In in front of her. Uh, and, you know, it's it's her crest. It's, like, part of her magic shit. But, while the, but, like, as soon as he grabs it, like, she cannot move anymore. Goeth, like, his flames go out. He falls on the ground. Uh, then we we switch back to Ichigo and Renji, who arrive at the area, but they're blocked off by Koga and Maki, who are like, you can't pass. There is an important ritual that is going to happen. Um, and then it, cu it cuts back to Kadia, and Kadia gives like a speech where he's like, ah, the, you know, I need human souls. But turns out the way that I get human souls is kind of inefficient. 
but thanks to you. And like he can he, like he literally congratulates her and says you'll become a mother and breathe life into new dolls. And uh this we're kind we're entering the bit that we ha we put the warning at at the at the start. Uh essentially like he crushes her crest, she cries out in anguish. Uh Goeth like loses controls of his flames and goes berserk and tries to like attack Katia. Um, at this point, we see that he's got, like, he's got the bounce symbol, like, on his chest. Like, as his shirt is torn away, we see that it's on his chest. And Yoshino yeah. says, like, oh, it's proof he fused his body with his doll. Goeth ends up, bur like, burning a bright blue, and then, instead of attacking Katia, he kind of, like, explodes, and then gathers, a, like, in Yoshino's arms as she's, like, come to me! And then she, like, puts the flames into her belly, and the flames are, like, calling her mama it gets real weird real fast yeah uh, although <laughs> it, it's just kind of it's just kind of fucking weird and like uncomfortable and like it it's a scene that had like the potential to be really cool but also this is something we've never seen before with the bounce and have had no explanation prior to this that this is a thing bounce can even do which is like you know, fusing with their doll. So it, it just kind of adds to the confusion and just kind of feels like a cop-out of, oh, Yoshino's going to have one final cool transformation and it doesn't even amount to anything. So it's just like, okay, I, I guess we're just doing this. And yeah. Yeah, like she ends up, she does get like a really cool looking flame transformation where she kind of looks like Goeth as uh, she like turns into like this this like flame woman form and she starts fighting with Katya in midair and like Koga looks back from where he's fighting and he's like ah that I see that because of her maternal power she didn't get consumed by her doll when her crest was destroyed and also Ichigo like turns around and he's like they're fighting in midair how <laughs> like Ichigo I fucking love that they just keep going, how the fuck are they flying? As if this doesn't become, like, a series staple where they're just always fucking fl flying while they fight. It's so fucking funny. It was the staple in episode two! <laughs> <laughs> like, every other fight that Ichigo does, he gets, like, knocked back and he's, like... He does the whole, like, I'm knocked back, but I'm slide I'm still on my feet and I'm sliding back until, like, I stop. But he does it in midair and then he, like, jumps again. <laughs> like, You're this right. is a thing. <laughs> this is a thing he's been doing the entire goddamn show. Goku, but if Goku didn't realize he was flying 90% of the time... Uh, Karia and Yoshino continue fighting. There's a really cool exchange where he, like, grabs her by the throat, and then there's, like, this spectral form of Goeth that explodes from her and, like, breaks the hold, and I'm like, hell yeah, Goeth is still around as, like, a cool, like, stand, which he was already basically a stand, but, you know, still. <laughs> uh, but then he's like, ah, yes, this is the power I wanted, but I can't let it wither away. And then he stabs her through the gut, and she dies. Well, she, like, falls from the sky, she breaks out of her form, and Ishida, like, goes up to her. He, like, cradles her against him, and she's like, he's like, ah, why did this have to happen? And then she explodes into spirit particles, and Katia, like, gathers all the spirit particles. And, like, the, the sentence he says in German, which I am told is not actually proper German, uh, there's, like, a conjugation thing. 
uh, it basically tra- it translates to show yourself new lives. And a massive bounce symbol appears in the air around him as he pro- proclaims that Yoshino should be glad because because of her life, she's going to be creating a bunch of new life, a bunch of new dolls. And then just like hundreds of giant mosquitoes start coming out and swarming. And the episode ends on this. <laughs> like, that's the end of the episode. It, it really ends suddenly. It's like... It, it really feels like, at this point, like, it, it was a really unsatisfying conclusion to Yoshino's arc. Because, like, yes, she decided to die, and, like, we've openly known that she, like, wanted to die properly. But it feels like it had no impact to me, because she just, like, kind of came out here and was like, yeah, I'm gonna die this episode, and Uraharo and Yorimichi watch her, and like, yeah, she's gonna die next episode. And then everybody is like, well, we know Yoshino's gonna die this episode, so we're just gonna let her go out and die this episode. And then they do! And it's like, there's there's no build-up, it just kinda happens. And then, like, they go on about maternal, like, powers or whatever, and then there's new dolls, and it's just like, I really wish they had given her more of a character than this. Like, we've got plenty of time left in this arc. Th- there was way more time to make Yoshino, like, a complex and interesting character, and instead, she just dies. And that's yeah, it. Yeah, I think we, s- like, we still have, like, 13 or 14, we-, we still have, like, over 10 episodes in this arc, and then we have another full arc of the Bount. <laughs> like, Yoshino could have stuck around for a while. Alas... Alas. Alas, she is a woman, and as we all know in Bleach, they can't have any agency, otherwise they die. God. Speaking of women who barely get any agency in Bleach, uh, in today, in this episode's Radio Con Golden, we have this, like, weirdly intensely drawn segment of, like, Nanao's running to to Kiraku, like, they're basically, like, I think it's supposed to be the Kiraku, the... The Sogyoku Hill, like the execution hill that Rukia was at, because yeah. she runs up to him and he's like, "Stay back!" The old man took his time to summon me, and then he like flash steps over. And it's like, "Old man, what?" Oh, and then he flash steps back to Nano <laughs> and it's like, "Actually, uh, we should go." How come? Uh, he he's sleeping. He's standing with his back like really imposing there, but he's uh he's sleeping because he's old. He's an old man. He falls asleep. <laughs> I thought it was cute. I thought this was a cute bit. It was uh, it was pretty funny. It got a laugh from me. Yeah, but it was pretty alright. Um so I did watch the dub this week because I I was with my partner who mainly watches dubs of anime because it's easier for them to focus. Um and I I just wanna state like I don't know the like actual pronunciation of Goeth. Like I assume it's just Goeth, but like she definitely in the dub just pronounced it like Goethe, which it, it's really hard to parse, but it's also like, I don't think that's right. I mean, that might be it. I've, I don't think I've, I am definitely not an authority on how to pronounce this name. I'm not it either. A, it is a German word and I have not encountered it, <laughs> encountered it, so. Yeah. Uh, overall, like, honestly, this week, for the most part, was kind of disappointing. Like, I I enjoyed the, like, first episode for, like, 
what it was. Like, even though, like, I personally wasn't, like, that huge into Ichigo, like, self-loathing for the majority of the episode, like, I did really enjoy, like, the interactions we got between the other characters, and I really enjoyed Ganju and Hanatoro, as always. But, like, this episode in particular, I was really, really cold on. I, I just... It could have been handled so much better. I feel like it was really rushed, where other fights in this, like, arc have been, like, really extended. And I feel like they could have taken more time with this to give Yoshino a much more satisfying conclusion. Yeah, or at least, like, a lot of the things that happened today in regards to to Yoshino could have been, like, signposted earlier, I feel like. Yeah. You know, like it, like maybe previously they uh, they show what happened. Maybe one of the previous fights doesn't end with them destroying the doll. It ends with them destroying the crest, right? Like, and then we see, oh, that makes the doll go berserk and kill the bat. Okay, that's what happens. I I also feel like they could have maybe done a little more with like the crest being broken. Uh like I think it would have been really cool to see like. Maybe, like, Goeth, like, not only just, like, fusing with Yoshino, but, like, occasionally coming out and fighting as a standstill to, like, pr- prove, like, some kind of, like, interesting synergy between her and her doll. Like, I think that would have been interesting. I feel like the fusion was just kind of a little boring to me, but that's just me and that's just nitpicking. Yeah, well, it's also that, like, they said this... Like the entirety of Yo- of like what happens with Yoshino after the her crest gets broken is basically predicated on the fact that Kadia says her relationship with her doll and like the way that her doll's emotions work is completely different from every other bound that ever exists. Last week we were literally saying, "Man, I wish Yoshino's doll had like any fucking emotions because yeah. he's really boring compared to everyone else." <laughs> Yeah, I I think that's a really interesting thing to be like, so Yoshino's doll's the boring one, but somehow they have, like, an emotional connection, despite the fact we have no evidence of this. Like, they they add one in, like, when he first gets summoned, he's like, oh, it's Katia, and then he, like, asks her, like, what do you want me to do? And she's like, hey, do you want to keep fighting with me? And he says, sure, let's go. And And it's like, it's a really good moment, but it's like, who is this character? This is not the character that you've been summoning for this entire arc. This is a different character. Like, this is a this is a character with agency. Where's the other guy? <laughs> yeah, right. What? Like, I think it would have been interesting if maybe like we had some like scenes of maybe like Yoshino just like talking to her doll as a person or something. Because up to this point, we've only really seen them used as tools. Yeah, bring bring him out to have him talk to fucking Ishida. Like, may, have him like show like pop out and be like, "Punk, she saved your life. Be more respectful." You know, do literally anything. But absolutely, you know, she was all. She was like most of a character, and he was barely a character. And then they fused to be like even somehow less of a character, and then they died. Uh, such is the way of Bleach, I suppose. I guess, like. You can't win them all. You can't win them all. Uh, hopefully next week will be more satisfying and or like at least have like more plot or interesting bits. I'm hoping we we're getting mod soul jokes about mod souls in bug costumes. So prepare yourself for tiny mod souls in adorable bug costumes. All right. I'm here for it. I'm I'm here for it. 
Uh, sorry to end this one on like kind of a down note, but uh, this has been our one year anniversary episode of It'll Wash Out. Uh, I did want to go ahead and like, like not to put you on the spot. What's been your like favorite moment? Of Bleach up to this point. Probably the Zoraki fight, I think. The Zoraki fight is really, really good. Because, like, I like I like the... I love the Byakuya fight, but I feel like it's not as good as I remembered it being. Whereas the Zoraki fight was much better than I remembered it being. I, I don't really have... I, like, I, I agree with you. I think the Zoraki fight was probably, like the best like the single best fight that bleach has had thus far uh and the most interesting um i i do think like overall my favorite like this is kind of a cop out because like multiple moments but i just i really miss all of the uh bits like early on where we were seeing just how like emotionally intelligent Ichigo was, because I feel like we've kind of lost that as the series has gone on. And I'm hoping like, because this is a filler arc, I'm hoping that comes back, but I feel like it might not come back. And I'm a little worried about that, but I, I just, all those little bits that were interspersed within early bleach of Ichigo being emotionally intelligent. I miss that. I, I want that back. Yeah. Like, Emotionally intelligent Ichigo, emotionally intelligent Orihime, um, a lot of, like, emotionally intelligent Rukia when she's like, oh, this bothers him. I'm just gonna change subject and talk about something else. Like, all those bits, just, like, characters understanding each other and talking or not talking about stuff because they know that, like, someone's hurting. Just like, oh, these characters have relationships, and it's really cool to see them interact with each other with that when they're, when they have a verb that isn't fighting. I also... Like, really particularly enjoyed, like, how chilling, like, the Aizen twist is when that first happens. Like, although I wish it hadn't come at, like, basically the cost of, like, Kinamori, like, I remember watching that episode and just being like, fuck, okay, like, we really just, like, took this betrayal and I thought it was actually, like, executed really well. And, I don't know, like, Bleach has moments of genius. I, I'm I'm really hoping we keep up with that. I, I'm excited moving forward to see what we get. I it, it's been a wild year. A lot has happened, just like in life in general, in the show, and I'm excited to move forward. Yeah. Let's see how far we go. We'll, we'll see how far we get. <laughs> this has been it'll wash out one year anniversary edition. You can follow the show at Bleachcast on Twitter. You can send us an email at iwobleachcast at gmail.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at lavender underscore pause. And you can follow me on Twitter at SSBSLJ. Thanks again for listening. Stay cool, chats. I do believe in killing this messenger. Know why? Because it sends a message. Were you trying to do a Yoda voice at the beginning there? No. It almost sounded like you were trying to do a Yoda voice. No, there would be a lot of, there would be a lot more like, hmm, <laughs> if I was trying to do a Yoda voice. And I don't like doing that noise, so. <laughs> <laughs>
can't. I, I'm ending this recording right now. <laughs> I'm pressing the button. <laughs>